0: Hi, I'm Jason Marcos. And I'm Barry Hamaguchi. This is Flop Redeemer, the weekly podcast where we discuss the stories behind our favorite pop flops and why you should give these songs a second chance. This week, I'm talking about Lose to Win,
1: the 2013 single from singer Fantasia, who, despite winning season three of American Idol and originating the role of Celie in the Broadway adaptation of The Color Purple, still doesn't get the adoration I think she deserves.
0: She really uh, originated the role of Celie? That was her?
1: Yeah because it wasn't cuz cuz she was the pr- the launch uh like the original that was Broadway cast thing. recording Yeah cuz I don't cuz it was Oprah's oh, production okay. and uh yeah it wasn't a musical until then and she had won so that came out in 2006 I think 2006 okay. 2007 she won in 2004 so one American Idol in 2004. Is it terrible? So
0: Terrible, I've never seen The Color Purple. Like I've no, never seen the movie. I've heard
1: it's not gr- Oh,
0: you've not seen the movie. I mean, who played Celie in the movie? Was that Oprah? No, it was Whoopi Goldberg. Oh, oh, it's the, Oh, it's that character. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I've lesbian? Lesbian? Is that the lesbian character? Yeah. Okay.
1: Uh-huh. Um and you know, has obviously I mean it's been on Broadway or It has had multiple uh runs since the um since its inception. And I think most recently it was Cynthia Erivo mm-hmm. was the, uh, was played Sealy and does the, that signature song I'm here. So yeah. How are you? Oh, wait, do we go to break? What are we doing?
0: Oh, I don't know. Do we need to have like a little conversation? I don't, I was, looking I don't up, know. I was looking up the color. purple. I was looking up the color purple musical and, um, noting that, uh, Fantasia's uh, fellow American Idol season three contestant, Latoya London was in the first national tour of um, the color purple. Was she's playing
1: Seeley? No, she was I...
0: playing Nettie.
1: Oh, cause, cause I was going to say <clears throat> one of the thing that was interesting when I was looking at, you know, looking at Fantasia
0: and I guess we might as well just start. Um, Are we going into it? Are we going into it?
1: Yeah. Yeah. I think this is just, this is just kind of part of it. So, um, she, so Fantasia was in the role on Broadway, um, when it was announced that she was playing, I mean, they broke box, box office records fully like a third of the, um, whatever it was hauling in at the time was due to her starring in it because people were trying to like go to see those performances. Um, she after the show ran, she ended up joining the national tour. And she did the national tour, which is just kind of unusual, because normally that doesn't, you know, they don't normally go on the national tour, too. But um, very popular at the time. And I think that's the interesting thing about Fantasia. I think a lot of people know her. And I'm not redeeming her because she's not known. I just feel like People know her, but she's not respected in the same way. Like, it doesn't necessarily translate into musical respect, if that makes sense.
0: I mean, I think that that's a problem with, as you get deeper and deeper into the American Idol franchise and why people win American Idol. Yeah. I think that that issue is kind of laid bare. Mm -hmm. Of like, how does a person who wins America's heart by merits of live performance, Mm -hmm. live performance of cover songs, you know, Mm -hmm. how does that person translate that adoration into broader adoration for their musical careers in their own right? Right. Yeah. I don't, cause I think that was always that it wasn't maybe as apparent in the earlier seasons of American Idol with like, you know, Kelly Clarkson, Ruben Stutter. Who won season two? Ruben Studdard.
1: Oh, it was Ruben. I yeah. couldn't remember.
0: I mean, you know, ostensibly Clay Aiken was more successful than Ruben Studdard. But then it is with, I think it is with season three with Fantasia Barino, especially because I think that... Jennifer Hudson was on that season as well. Yeah. And I think that there was a, a perception maybe that the winner of American Idol would always be a pop artist. Mm-hmm. Just by merits of the fact that it's the American public voting for someone and that you assume that the majority of the American public <clears throat> is fervent about pop music.
1: Well, and I think there is this thing that the American public loves, a fantastic R&B or soulful live performance. Mm-hmm. It's like a virtue, you know, because you can you can hear it in the whoops and the hollers in the audience when they do runs, when they do, you know, when they when they hit those notes it almost never translates into mainstream popular success. We've talked about that with many other artists, you know, like Patty LaBelle, amazing voice, you know, like it took, it, you know, it takes, it takes kind of sanding down some of those edges and finding a way to make R&B that's pop, mm-hmm. um, allow them to cross over. And I think Fantasia is like one of those perfect examples because, you know, season three of American Idol, I mean, this is at the point where American Idol is huge, right? Like it's it's like the cultural juggernaut. I think um, you know, when I was when I was looking and and this is a little skewed because remember I, I remember we used to watch American Idol all the time. We used to watch it every week. And we would sometimes like, you know, uh vote for people. There was no limit on how many times you could vote. Uh-huh. for your person. So you could vote multiple times for the for the person that you wanted to win. She received, Fantasia, when it got down to the top two, she received like 65 million votes. Um, by any metric, that's a lot. I mean, like, ev- you know, even taking into account people can do multiple. I mean, yeah. it just goes to show like how many people were participating in this every week. It was fully 1.6 million um, votes more than the runner-up Diana DeGarmo got um so you know won by a a wide margin um her song i believe which was this you know if you're not familiar with american idol because i mean american idol has been going on for so long like i i i actually stumbled on it the other night because it was on um and i was like oh this show and it's such a different format now
0: Oh, the newest um, season of American the Idol. The newest
1: season. Yeah. I thought you were just
0: like it's, stumbling upon season three of American Idol, and I was like, "What?" No, 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 no,
1: no, 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 no. I was like, I stumbled on the current season with Lionel Richie and um, mm-hmm. Katy Perry. I don't know who the other judge is. Luke Bryan. Oh, Luke Bryan. <laughs> um, but and you you know, still don't now know they can bring. <laughs> He's country singer. Country singer. I know. I know who he is. Um, uh, I just don't know what he looks like. I don't. I, um, I know what
0: he looks like. I know his name. I don't know a single song by him.
1: So. Yeah, I have no idea. Sorry, um, country music
0: fans, do not know nothing about n- none
1: of that. Do not know nothing <laughs> is a country song, I'm sure of it. Um, but you know, now they can like play guitar. They, you know, everyone has a guitar, and yeah. everyone's like, you can sing your own songs. And um, you know, it's it's just a very different thing. And uh, like when when when, I, so at the at the end, what happens at American Idol is there's like a song that's written for the top two contestants. And they I don't know if it's if they still do this, but they they each perform their version of the song in their way. And then America votes and the the one with the most votes wins. And then that song or that performance of the song becomes their debut single. Hmm. So Fantasia's uh, version of I believe was the winning version.
0: It's released. What was that? Oh, I was just wondering. I know that that was definitely the case in the beginning. They switched that at some point. Yeah, I don't know. I stopped. Thinking. I don't remember. I no Didn't idea. I thought Fantasia Barino and Diana DeGarmo had two different singles? Didn't Diana DeGarmo no. have a, a, a lead single called Dream or I? I believe. Because wait, did <laughs> I mean, did, well, cuz she did. Did Clay Aiken and Ruben Studdard sing the same song even? I remember that it, it the problem with that idea became immediately apparent when Kelly Clarkson and Justin Guarini both sang a moment like this and it was clear that like that song was not meant for Justin Guarini for or for a man. Like like that's not a man's song. Yeah. <laughs> like it's not you don't <laughs> I mean they tried to they tried to hedge their bets maybe by having the verse be like a full octave below the chorus so yeah you know Luck, luckily yeah. for kelly clarkson you know she was able to hit both ends of it but like she
1: she has the range <laughs>
0: Justin Guarini literally did not have the range for that
1: you know what you know what? It, it, it's just speaking of Justin Guarini it kind of makes me happy to see him pop up as that weird little guy in the Dr Pepper commercials oh yeah yeah
0: yeah cuz I was like who he, is he's still this got person? some he still got getting getting some work, not like Brian Ackelman. Yeah. Oh yeah, like just sent right
1: into the sh- trash chute yeah. of history. Anyway, um, um,
0: but okay, so I, they, I don't so remember they get this, if they, they had so the they same get single, right?
1: Yeah, and and Fantasia's it goes to number one on the Billboard charts. I mean, it's it's a it's a huge song. I mean, is it the best song? I don't know. Um, but it's it's definitely in that vein of like a moment like this where it's 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 definitely of the early aughts. Uh, big ballady pop song. Uh, that's designed to close out events or whatever. Because I did see yeah. that she was at like some event singing for then Senator Barack Obama.
0: I feel um, like I, 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 I mean, and I feel like in that sense they had to make those songs also as generic, yeah, as possible because you you wouldn't know necessarily who was going to end up in the finale. Um, and it was maybe a little it was maybe a little more predictable what type of artist you'd get in the finale before they started allowing people to like play their own instruments or Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. what was the season where they had like the human beatbox guy. Oh yeah, yeah. Yeah. You know, they had all, they started to introduce all this other stuff into the format, at which point I think it became difficult to predict like what kind of single you could actually get out of a person. But in Uh actuality, like I think that having such a, uh, you know, casting such a wide net with, a single that could cover a lot of different people or a lot of different artists these kind of these kind of soaring inspirational ballads they, mm-hmm. they made for some terrible songs i mean they made terrible, terrible, terrible but they're songs. Just not they're not remarkable i don't think well but they're, they're they're it goes back to that idea that we've
1: talked about i mean almost that like a, it's designed to be like an adult contemporary song because it's not just teenagers or whoever like it's You see that with The Voice, too, honestly, right? It's like where where things kind of gravitate, or at least the early seasons when it was competing, still competing with American Idol. And like what it kind of moves people towards is this sort of middle of the road Mm
0: -hmm. kind of
1: thing, right? Like, um, And, you know, it's designed to be played on the Top 40 format. Maybe not even like super pop, but just like, almost adult contemporary radio um you know yeah. we've talked about the Starbucks radio of it all you know like just that that whole vibe um and i think you know so so it comes out it's huge because you know american idol was huge um her first album comes out the next year it earns 3 grammy nominations she's like riding high on this her second album Fantasia comes out in 2006 she's gets two more grammy noms and then later that year she's in the color purple and she comes out with the song or or uh, I shouldn't say she comes out with the song the, the the musical features the song I'm here which becomes sort of a, a cla- like a, a new sort of broadway classic um, she debuts that song um, on Oprah's show which was still you know on air at the time and that made it a mu- a massive hit. I, you know, the thing I think about Fantasia that I want to look at is she's kind of everywhere at this time. And she's getting Grammy noms and things like that. But like the albums aren't like super popular. And I think this goes back to the idea of what American Idol does is set you up for one thing, like the I Believe kind of track. And then the artist goes out and releases the music they want to release. And Fantasia is an R&B, like a dyed-in-the-wool, like R&B soul singer, soul artist. Mm-hmm. And that is not, I don't think, what American audiences wanted.
0: Or or the American
1: Idol audience, I should
0: say. Well, because you know even I mean? when she was getting Grammy nominated for all of those first albums she was putting out, like she was in a niche category, right?
1: Yeah. Yeah, it was like in the R&B category, which is not typically considered a quote-unquote major award. It's not one of the big awards at the Grammys. It's it's the same thing with Beyonce, right? Like Beyonce get, puts out like probably her best work with Lemonade and gets snubbed, right? Like mm-hmm. like completely loses that. Um, and then, you know, you could see this year at the Grammys, it felt like they were trying to make it up to her um, by giving her uh, song, uh, like R&B song of the year. You know, and now you know, they make a big deal about oh, she's the most Grammy-winning artist of all time. You know, she, she we made history tonight. But then, like, none of the quote-unquote major awards go to her, and it it is that sort of niche. It's like you know, it's it's it, it kind of keeps them in keeps black artists sometimes in their niches and not recognize them on the on you know give them the the sort of larger magnification. Yeah. The larger recognition,
0: because I think that like it was probably around the time that Fantasia Barino first started her debut that I started to get a greater sense of the division between um like mainstream pop music, r and b crossover pop music, and then like kind of core r and b music
1: uh-huh and the uh-huh.
0: core r and b music, the people that get nominated for Grammys in that category. Are not always people that everyone knows. Yeah. Right. Like, you know, the the Alicia Keyses and the John Legends are the exception. Right. Mm -hmm. Because then you have, you know, the year that Fantasia Barino won or was nominated for her first Grammy for Free Yourself, Uh 2006. Yeah. So that, that year, John Legend beat her. Yeah. But she was in a category against like Stevie Wonder, Earth, Wind, and Fire you know mm-hmm. these are the categories that like you know 2007 Lionel Richie is still getting Grammy nominations in R&B yeah. India RE yeah. Legacy Music Soul Child Jill Scott like
1: well it's it's kind of like the Aretha Franklin so Aretha Franklin for uh, you know when the Grammys started and then through I want to say the 80s mostly right up through the 80s um when she was still releasing album after album after album she would win Grammys, right? Like she, you know, you think of Aretha Franklin as a Grammy award-winning artist. She's never won like album of the year, song of the year, things like that. No, she always had the R&B soul category on lock. And like every year she would win that, right? Mm-hmm. And it's it's that idea of like moving people out. It's like, we're going to reward you here. But like, you know, Fleetwood Mac's going to win the, the, the big awards or whatever. You know what I mean? Like at the same mm-hmm. time. and And it got to the point though, where like if anyone else won the r&b category aretha was pissed because she just assumed it was her award right but like to your point like stevie wonder still being nominated in that category earth wind and fire like in in 2006 right yeah. like it's not
0: not it's not stuff it, that the majority of people yeah know is still happening mm-hmm. or is has yeah, ever happened i think that like, was it, the it is it is it's not pop music. It's not the stuff exactly. that's being played on pop radio. And I guess that for me, the realization that, oh, that's more what Fantasia is going to be as is an artist. Doing. She's not right. going to be a crossover artist like Alicia Keys or like mm-hmm. Beyonce or, mm-hmm. you know, John Legend. I think even like to, to think that like John Legend successfully crossed over to me is pretty wild. Pretty wild. Because I, mean, I think especially music. I think of his music as very like core R and B. Yeah. It you know? is.
1: Um, I, I don't know if it's just like there's a certain sensibility about it. because I've thought about that too. And especially with the fact that like his first single was Ordinary People, I believe. Mm-hmm. And and that was just a piano, right? And I know they had to fight to do that. I think part of that I think it was a good strategy, <laughs> honestly, because it is kind of the thing that that people respond to, I think is an R and B vocal sometimes like that. That's why lots of singers, like, you know, that's a lot of, that's a style, right? I mean, Mm -hmm. that's, that's like a really popular style, but R and B music is not really me like wildly popular in the mainstream as much. Yeah. And I think stripping it back. Yeah. Traditional R and B contemporary. There's now, um, urban and there's, uh, alternative R and B. So I mean they're they're making additional categories, you know, to kind of keep up with, so that you know the if Patty LaBelle comes out with another album, it's not competing against like Kelani, you know, in like yeah. the same like that, the, you know. But um, yeah, no, it's just really interesting, and I think that's the thing with Fantasia, where you know, and it, even myself, like I, I don't, I mean, I I love R and B and I love soul, and I used to listen to KJLH, the local um, sort of like. R&B format radio station a lot and I I didn't really always respond to a lot of the content on Fantasia's album, mm-hmm. right? Like because it, not because it wasn't pop I just, it, I don't think that that content was always good, like the material was always good. Okay. Uh, great voice, I mean she kind of suffers, you know, in my opinion a little bit of that thing that we were talking about with Patti LaBelle where Fantasia has an amazing voice and an amazing ability to emote and convey the meaning of a song. And that gets kind of flattened in a recording. There's yeah. there's just something about it that it just doesn't capture that mix and what made her electrifying to watch every week just doesn't always get captured on the album. And so I would say even the first her first two albums I I you know I might like one or two songs but but I you know I wasn't really following that closely. Um, yeah, I did love when she came out and was doing "I'm Here" from the Color Purple, and again it comes back to that idea. The reason that was such a, a moment for her is because it was live. Like she she debuted that song, which is the signature song from that musical, um, live on Oprah's show, and then she she did it again at the Tony Awards. And it was kind of a, it's it's kind of a, um, and I'm telling you I'm not going sort of, kind of Broadway song, right? Mm-hmm. That that really stands out from sort of like whatever else is is, is going on. Um, but it's a beautiful song. And especially like we, you know, Adam and I were watching a couple of the performances last night and just watching her and then kind of comparing it to, Jennifer Hudson did it at the Kennedy Center Honors where they honored Oprah. And then Cynthia Revo most recently. And Fantasia's, the The fact that she originated that role and 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 basically debuted that song, it's amazing to me that I don't know that she's the mo- the person most associated with it at this point, okay. I think I think it's been maybe a little eclipsed by Cynthia Rivo because mm-hmm. Cynthia Rivo is um. I mean her 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 version is is amazing. But I think also because like Jennifer Hudson did it at the Kennedy Center Honors. Mm-hmm. Um
0: does Cynthia Erivo have more of like a like a patina of legitimacy over Fantasia?
1: Yes, and I think that's the thing that kind of like I want to talk about. It's like I don't feel like Fantasia has that acceptability, respectability, whatever it is yeah. because it's like why like Jennifer Hudson wasn't in the color purple? right So when Oprah was honored, why wouldn't they just bring Fantasia back to yeah. do that song? There's a right?
0: prestige factor there with there's Jennifer a prestige Hudson. factor
1: there is, but like Jennifer Hudson, and we've talked about this before, she has been like designated like the next Aretha or she's like, if you need that, yeah she's been an performance. yeah, it's like Jennifer Hudson and I I think she's fantastic. She has an amazing story, but like, she can't emote in the same way through a song, I don't think. Like, to me, her volume changes and, like, the power. But, like, she doesn't connect with you in the way that, like, when Fantasia sings I'm Here, you know, it's a it's a song about a, a woman, you know, sung from the perspective of, like, she's experienced so much, like, trauma and mm-hmm. pain. And she's coming to terms with that and accepting it and finding it within herself to look for the good in it you know and 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 how being alive how being here how being present like just take, getting strength from that and you watch that performance and even Cynthia Rivas it'll bring you to tears like it's just it is just yeah. it's so powerful and when Jennifer Hudson does it it's just loud in my opinion yeah. um and I, I don't mean that as like a ah she's shouty it's just it's not the same artistry to me yeah and so you know it it bugs me and it bugs me that i love cynthia Rivo too and she has her own story that she tells about how um you know how she sang that song and she you know honestly i think i don't know if fantasia feels this way but cynthia Rivo, you know had said in an interview that she can't sing just sing that song because people people will like ask her to perform it you know when she does like a master class or whatever and she's mm-hmm. like I can't because every night I'm out there and I have to experience this trauma and this is the catharsis. Mm -hmm. And it's like, I can't put myself through that just to sing. It's not a party trick, right? And you feel that. And so she's amazing at doing that as well and embodying that. And I think that's really what, what gives, what gave Cynthia Revo sort of her big break was being in The Color Purple, honestly. But to your point, like she has... The patina of respectability that Fantasia doesn't have, and I, I, I don't know. Uh, part of it might be because she's British. Um, that you know, there's automatically the sort of a different treatment. I think of some things that, of artists that, um, yeah, in America that that if they're from another place, they sometimes have a little bit. They're treated a little bit differently, and I don't know. Like I, I honestly, I think it's because like Fantasia is so black. Like in her in her music and her her, just the way she expresses herself and all of these things. and it's it's
0: like it for whatever reason, not for whatever reason, but it's just. do you also think though, so this is my theory on this because I agree with what you're saying. Mm-hmm. You know, I think that hands down, if you watch that season of American Idol, Fantasia Barino has something about the way that she emotes that makes you truly believe that she feels everything that she sings. Uh-huh. And she's like, I, I always think about like when someone's, when an actor has to like cry in a movie and there's like certain actors that will go into it being like the most histrionic caricature of yeah. crying, almost to the point that you believe that that's what crying is actually like until you see an actor that actually does the thing that happens when you are crying and you realize like, Oh, real crying is very different from uh-huh. the dramatics that you imagine of crying uh-huh. and yeah. i think that's the difference between jennifer hudson and fantasia barino a little bit it's like jennifer hudson is everything that you imagine in your mind about emotional expression uh-huh. and then when you see fantasia barino it's like when you realize like how ugly crying actually is and all the weird
1: and how physical it yeah, is. yeah
0: all the weird gasping yeah. and like yeah you know, wheezing and stuff that comes as part of crying. And then you, you, uh-huh. you hear that in Fantasia's singing, like whatever emotions mm-hmm. she's emoting, it's, it it's some, something about it rings true. Right. Uh-huh. But what I wonder about Fantasia Barino versus like, you know, these other women that have gone on to popularize this song from the color purple is like, how much of it has to do with the fact that whatever machine was behind Fantasia in that American Idol period, they capitalized on an image of Fantasia that was just a little bit too like too everyday and not prestige or shielded mm. or curated enough. Like I because yeah. honestly like, when I think about Fantasia Barino, I just think like, oh, they pushed all the time that she was illiterate. Mm-hmm. They tried to they tried to make the American public Including believe that, that movie. Yeah, they did, and then they they, they did a Lifetime movie about Fantasia Bruno, which is like the worst possible type of television movie to have made about you. That's true. You know, so I feel like whatever machine was working she behind her. It. Yeah, whatever, whatever machine was behind her. Well, not her.
1: whatever machine, whatever machine it's it was was a 19 media or whatever. It's the same machine that, you know, Kelly Clarkson fought against. It's the same machine that failed Ruben Studdard. It's 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 that contract that it's that management contract that you have. Yeah when you're an American Idol winner, Yeah, right? and it's like that, whatever... Like, it whatever controls everything.
0: Whatever kind of like the path of least resistance that they see for you, they're going to be like, mm-hmm. okay, like Fantasia, we're going to get some sympathy for you because, oh, boo-hoo, you can't read. And yeah, the whole time she's story. trying to convince America, she's like, actually, it's not that bad. And she's like, I can't yeah. read well. But she's like, <laughs> <laughs> she's like I know my ABC.
1: She's not like that woman in A League of Their Own that's just like staring yeah. at, the, at the board and can't see her name. Yeah, no, and it's it is that that's a that's a really good point, and 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 we've talk, it's it's come up before, just that you know, American Idol knew what to do with Carrie Underwood, they they kind of knew what to do, they 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 didn't have a problem with with Kelly Clarkson. Um, now Kelly Clarkson's personal Kelly sort of Clarkson had a problem with, with what they were doing with Kelly she, Clarkson. <laughs> she did, she did, but like it didn't necessarily affect her popularity in that. So, you know yeah. what I mean? Like it wasn't the same. She still had access. They knew what to do with that. They don't know what to do with black artists. Like they don't know how to, they can't just apply that same formula. And then they're like, oh, yeah. it's not working, you know, because it's like, I don't know. That's just not the kind of music they want to make. And that's not just not what, what people want to hear, um,
0: and it's not, the, I don't um, think it's the audience that they were attracting yeah. on American Idol. Yeah. You know, and well, I think in, the, that, yeah. in the sense that like, you know, to your point about the nature of live performance, the nature of R&B live performance, especially being mm-hmm. such a specific thing that exists almost outside of what studio recordings of R&B performances are. Yeah. With rare yeah. exception. I think that that's, I think that that is where you get things like an Alicia Keys or a John Legend that have a little bit more of maybe like a less produced feeling. Cause that's yeah. to me is what I want to hear out of like an R and B vocal. Honestly, is like mm-hmm. the sense that the vocal was live and live. That what I'm yeah. hearing and is the what music the vocal too. sounded like. It's like, you know, when, Like when Amy Winehouse's music started coming out and Mark Ronson was producing all this stuff for Amy Winehouse and people found it kind of revelatory that the way that her music was being recorded, produced, the stuff that she was doing with the Dap Kings, Nicole Ray, who revamped herself as Lady and then Lady Ray, she would would go on to do very similar things where Mm. suddenly it's that sense of like, here's an R&B recording that just sounds like a bunch of people in a room. Yeah. Got together to sing and make music and they recorded it. It has air.
1: Yeah. It has air. It has that live energy, that, that electricity of live performance. Yeah. Yeah. It's when, when it does come down to it, it's too much. And I
0: think that that's the stuff that was just sucked out of Fantasia's music, Mm -hmm. especially the first few albums. Agree. It was just like, here's a woman that should be making a traditional R&B record. We're going to try and make it commercial R&B. We're going to try and Mm -hmm. make it as contemporary R&B as possible to and, and and try and give it to an audience that doesn't want her. Basically. Well,
1: and that's you know, it's it's she she was developing like a really strong R&B following, like a core R&B following and and I don't want to miss that. Like, you know, very popular mm-hmm. in that but like not breaking through, not right? Not crossing like Not crossing over and it I don't know that I'm I'm even saying that she wants the crossover success. I don't know that. All I know is she deserves more respect <laughs> um, in the in the conversation around R and B artists and 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 vocalists just in general women and, women making music. Um, she deserves
0: more. Did, did you dye your hair? No, this is my natural hair color. Did it? <laughs> I I know I, I have a bald. <laughs> Sorry, I have a bald spot opening up in the front though. Look at that. Oh, not that great? Oh, thank oh, wow. you, thank uh, you, age.
1: Well, no, because I because. Last week it was. You still had. It's still there. Dyed it's bleached. Still,
0: oh, okay. I just have to scoop, I couldn't. for Oh, because oh, you're because
1: you're, you're um
0: you're getting rid of your part. You're parting it different, and so I couldn't. Well, see this is I'm I'm letting my hair naturally do what I want. Sidebar. So we've been having an ongoing conversation about getting older, and that the youngins <laughs> today want center parts and wide leg jeans. Um, I've had a I, side part for like the past like maybe five years i don't know but like a really hard like a, a a a side part that's farther to the side than my natural side part is and i'm opting to just be natural let my hair do what it wants to do very like um i think it's a very wabi-sabi type of uh, approach to my hair <laughs> you know and i yeah i refuse to go back i'm gonna just you know, I'm gonna let it let it fall where it wants to fall for a bit and then cut it accordingly. I'm just gonna be like, okay, this is where my hair part wants to be. I'm just gonna cut it along that part and because s- right now it's like it's still cut to part to one side, so even though it's parting kind of down the center, this side of my hair is far too long and it touches my ear. But I see. Anyone that can't see this to do it. Sorry. This makes no sense. But um We're having a we're we're trying to figure out what we're Fantasia doing. Fantasia Barino has does not have these problems because she does not part her hair on the side.
1: No, her hair is very short. Um, You know, and and all of this, this whole conversation just brings me to, uh, well, well, I do want to touch on like, like she's, she's had, she has released some of my favorite songs. Um, You know, in 2006, while she was doing color purple, um, she was also on the soundtrack to, do you remember the movie happy feet? Yes. It was, it was like an animated movie about penguins. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Um, I think we saw it
0: in the theater together. Maybe.
1: Did we see it together? Oh God. That's 15 years ago. So I, I
0: don't. I just remember Brittany Murphy being really good. Yes. Yes. Okay. So this is the thing about,
1: this is the thing about happy feet. Happy feet had an excellent soundtrack. Like I, it was one of those. Well, what?
0: Oh no. I was going to wonder, I was actually wondering, are we ever going to redeem the, uh, the Lauren Hill song? I like that song too. Uh, I like that song. I think it's such a weird song, but I love it. It is a weird song. I feel very conflicted about, like, was she under duress making this song? What was this song about? (laughs) My favorite song from that album, though, is a cover of Stevie
1: Wonder's I Wish with Fantasia, Patti LaBelle, and Yolanda Adams.
0: Oh, right up your alley.
1: It is like, I run to that song. (laughs) (laughs) It's so good. And we're talking, we were talking about, like, when we're talking about that electricity of like live performance, and that song manages to, to capture the electricity of all of those women in in that recording. Mm-hmm. Um, in a way that like none of our albums had been able to do to that point. And I I just loved it. It was a revelation to me. And I was like, good, 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 good. They all sound like they're having fun. Patty sounds great um the movie i don't care about but the you know the just the uh you know britney murphy singing um
0: somebody to love somebody to
1: love yes um i th- it's a good it's a good album
0: everyone if you don't know happy feet go get that album. we should just be redeeming all this stuff i, I oh god we should redeem britney murphy poor britney murphy i know she was a great vocalist yeah. i like her on stuff should that uh what was that faster faster pussycat kill song. yes
1: yes that was a good song too yeah
0: anyway um anyway but so anyway Fantasia. Okay. Let's, let's, or, okay yeah, yeah, yeah you
1: know so 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 happy feet she comes out with that and then her third album comes out in 2010 uh oh, it's called back to me she finally wins her first grammy i own so this in album 2010 did you do you like this album
0: uh um, why do you own
1: it i'm just curious like what oh
0: okay, okay. i really liked okay and I only remember this because I remember this cover art with this weird giant bow on the back of her neck. Um, <laughs> and it just, yeah, it's like purple. Yeah. Oh, the color purple. I just okay. Ah. Because I feel yeah. like they were always trying to market Fantasia as being weirder than she was, image-wise.
1: Right. Like more avant-garde. Yeah.
0: It was like almost like a chalise type of image. Well, she kind of
1: plays with that too. Yeah, I, don't yeah, yeah. That that I don't know that that was entirely marketing. She well, plays like, with that, Well, in terms but. of
0: image, I don't know that the music ever lined up with that, you're, like, especially you're in these correct. early days. Um, yeah. Okay. But I do own the album back to me. I think one, I was very into buying CDs at this point in time for some reason.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: I think I followed Fantasia on Facebook for many years. Okay. Until her, until her Facebook account became like a hashtag sponsored. Like Brandy's. it's every post, every post from Fantasia yeah. suddenly yeah. was like sponsored content. Sponsored content. Just here's a clip of a dog. This dog was found on the street. Look what yeah, look yeah, what yeah, happened yeah, next. Yeah, yeah. Like yeah. Get, ten, ten ways to get gum out of your hair. Like oh, yeah. Brand
1: Brandies was like that too. It was like it was like oh look at this weird cheese yeah. or something. And like, I'm
0: like <laughs> I hope you're making a shit ton of money off of this because I'm unfollowing <laughs> you right now. But while I was still. Following Fantasia Burino on Facebook, I really liked the song um Even Angels.
1: I think I know that song. Yeah, I think I do. It's um, it's got I, that it's yeah. got
0: it's got that it, it, it's got that inspirational kind of you know who it almost sounds like to me? It almost sounds like it could be like a like a discarded brandy song.
1: Yeah. Yeah, no, I I remember it now. I just I just kind of listened to it. I, yeah, I, I remember that song now. And
0: then I bought the album, and I really liked the song "Man of the House."
1: Well, she she didn't win for either of those. She won for "Bittersweet," uh, which <laughs> is an okay song, in my opinion. I I I think I used to like collard green collard greens and cornbread. I just can't with a song called collard greens
0: and cornbread. <laughs> sorry.
1: See, you're part of the problem, Barry. Sorry about it. I guess you bought the album. I did. I
0: I gave her, I gave her some like real money. These are like physical CD purchasing days money. She probably got a solid like 21 cents. Hey,
1: you know, not, not
0: the fraction of a 16th of a cent that she's getting for every time that we click on a song on Spotify. She got fully like 21 cents from me. Probably. Maybe. (laughs) I think I'm. A, I had. I think I
1: bought all of her albums because I really liked her. I wanted her to do well. Um, That's why I, I did, bought
0: Raven Simone's I, album. Oh, I wanted her to do I love really Raven. well. Her album was um,
1: terrible. Well, you know, yeah. um, can't all be winners. Um, <laughs> she's better on TV anyway. <laughs> um, so, so the album you're talking about, "Back to Me," which is her third album, was her last album with that management contract. The nineteen management, and it was the last album on J Records because J- they went through like a restructuring, so everything mm, got reshuffled.
0: Everyone, everyone, everything this is got like reshuffled. Every story.
1: Yeah, 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 yeah. It, it's it's like the 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 artists always get caught up. It doesn't matter how big or how small you are. You just get. I mean, it does matter how big or small you are, but uh, <laughs> you know, she she got caught up in the shuffle. But I think it was for the best because in 2013 she comes out with Side Effects of You. This is her first album on RCA and it's the first album where she debuts a sound that she'd been working on and kind of promoting called Rock Soul. And I I just remember everywhere like on on her social she'd be like Rock Soul, Rock Soul, you know like all this stuff and I thought it was kind of cheesy. But listening to the album I think it's fantastic. It, it it is the it is when we're talking about you know finding a way to record And 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 memorialize sort of the sound and the energy of an artist um, and finding material to match. I feel like Side Effects of You is the first album that I'm like, yeah, okay, I get it. Mm -hmm.
0: Jason, we have a we we have a problem. Should we acknowledge the problem or should we just get into it? I uh, let's I wasn't going to well, mention. It. I'm not all about calling people uh, yeah. out for their failures,
1: but Oh, really? <laughs> <laughs> recording like, "Oh, Jason didn't record." So
0: we... Jason's mic wasn't on. <laughs> so I was so so for the listening public, we took a quick break, and by a quick break, we took a full week off because um when I was editing this week's episode, uh, Jason's audio abruptly cut out. And full disclosure, this is something that we knew happened. When we finished recording the Fantasia episode, Jason realized that his recording had kind of stopped before mine had, and we'd kind of considered like, oh, maybe we can just lop off the back half of the episode, because we kind of start navel-gazing a lot anyway. (laughs) Unfortunately, what I realized when I was editing the episode this week was that we fully did not even capture a conversation of us talking about the song that purportedly this episode is about. So... We have come back together on this Easter Sunday.
1: We have risen.
0: The holiest you know, of holy days, we have risen at 10 a.m. This episode, this episode
1: was dead for 7 days. It was dead. It has come back to life. We are rolling away the stone. <laughs> My cat is Mary. Just running to tell everybody,
0: we're huh. back. Who am I? Barabbas. No.
1: You're—I don't know. You're the one who stole the shroud mm. and uh, sold it to Turin. Mm. That's what happened, right? Someone sold it. I don't know. I don't know. We're just uh, having
0: a quiche today, so. Oh,
1: we—I got a—I got a pork roast,
0: carrot cake. Oh, and lamb. We're having lamb.
1: I couldn't commit. The lamb shoulder they had at the butcher was so large. I was like, I don't know what I'm gonna do with this. Oh it's yeah, just yeah, yeah. Less.
0: We got like a um, mini, like a mini rack of lamb, mm-hmm. type of thing. Mm-hmm. I think we had, yeah. they had it at Trader Joe's. La- last year, I think we got lamb at... There's like a... I want to say there's like an Armenian butcher in Glendale mm. that does these little lamb lollipops. Very delicious. Oh, that sounds Pre- great. Pre-marinated. Um, you'll have, to, you'll have to let us know. Anyway. Anyway, when we last left uh, Jason and Fantasia Burino you were telling me about Rock Soul, the advent of Rock Soul the world of yeah. Fantasia Brino and your initial reaction to that and how you kind of came around to it. So tell me a little bit about rock soul. and So rock soul is, is, you know, Fantasia's,
1: it's sort of like what she's articulated as her style of music and like what she's doing, you know, what she, what she wants to do is kind of bring elements of rock, the energy of rock together with her soul background and the, the, um, emotion and feeling of soul music and fuse them together. And you know, what's really interesting is uh, we were just talk- talking about uh, the Tina Turner documentary that came out mm-hmm. and that's very much you know, listening back to to the album Side Effects of You and, and thinking about, how, you know, when I've seen Fantasia live, she really has that Tina Turner energy, right? Mm-hmm. Like Tina Turner, when she, you know, when she embarked on that second phase of her career, her solo career, um, you know, she articulated, she wanted to be a rock star, right? And 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 she was, but it was like this rock soulfulness, right? Because of her voice. Yeah. And, you, you know, just from her performance, her, her sort of, kind of crazed, like, sort of spastic, I think we were talking about, you were talking about how Tina Turner, her dancing is kind of spastic,
0: right? Like, it's, yeah, like it's, when you
1: think about the way Tina Turner dances.
0: Yeah, you think, I think, when you conceptualize what, like, soul movements are or what R and B style movements are. Your mind goes to a particular place that isn't what Tina Turner always did. Her, her movements were a little more like uncoordinated, but maybe, maybe just coordinated in a different way. They were highly, they were highly coordinated, but very
1: frenetic and almost tribal in a way. Like there's like, there's an element of just very raw and, um, you know watching the documentary and watching back like some footage from the 60s and 70s i was struck by how sexy she was cuz you know you kind of think about i don't know sometimes when you when you look back at old stuff like it, it becomes more archival and you don't think about it like mm-hmm. as them as flesh and blood people and and fantasia if you've ever seen videos of her perform if you've ever seen <clears throat> her live um, even if you just listen to her music, like you can get that set same similar sense of like raw energy mm-hmm. um, coming through. And, you know, she, you know, Fantasia is prone to that vocal tick. You know, she's, she always has yeah, yeah, yeah. Like after mm-hmm. everything, mm-hmm. <laughs> um, it makes sense in a live performance because she does it along with like some movements. And it's, so she's, v- she's very energetic. And Side Effects of You is the first album on her new label, RCA. And it's the first one where she, from start to finish, does like a, a rock soul vibe. So she's able to fully articulate her vision here. And the lead single from the album is the one I want to redeem, and that is Lose to Win. Um, so, you know, this is her fourth studio album. Lose to Win it's distinctive because it has, it features a sample of the Commodores, the night shift. So if you don't know the Commodores, the Commodores are the band that um, Lionel Richie was with before. It has this very eighties vibe, Mm -hmm. right? It's like a, it's like a eighties. Well, eighties Lionel Richie, which is a very specific thing, even, even to the eighties. Right. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Um, And for me, that brings back a wave of nostalgia. Cause that makes me think of aunties and house parties and, and things like that. Because like Lionel Richie was a favorite of my family. And um, you know, so so that me you know, it, it automatically from the opening bars, I'm put in like a very warm, nostalgic place. And um I just I just think it's really fun. I think it's you because know, because
0: you 'cause you're familiar with uh Lionel Richie and and
1: or well, no. we, oh, no. I mean,
0: okay, because we had this conversation last week, but when I listen to this song, Lose to Win by Fantasia Barrino, I hear, um, I still don't know the name of the song. It's like uh, Carly Simon it's song. A- it's from the end of Working Girl <sighs> when Melanie Griffith is <laughs> the Let Sten- the river run. Yes. I, <laughs> I always call it like the, the, new, the new Jerusalem. Is that the lyric? <laughs> yeah. Um, and you, you gave me a little bit of pushback on that last week. But I just, well, I, no, I listen I to this song well, and I, I see the, sh- the, the, the helicopter shot of yeah, yeah, Melanie yeah, Griffith yeah. is in her window and they pull back and she's in this high rise skyscraper in New York city and Joan Cusack and all her eyeshadow is just standing on top of her desk, telling all the other office ladies like she made it, you know? Um, <laughs> so to me, that's, that's the vibe. And I, I realized, um, as you were just talking now this week, I actually don't know a lot of Lionel Richie. We were not a mm. Lionel Richie household in the eighties. Um, my mom, I mean, I wonder if it's like a generational thing. Cause I think that my mom, like my, my parents are older. Mm-hmm. So like our household was always like, my dad was always like a Beatles guy. So he's had mm-hmm. Beatles. He was a Beatles, Bob Dylan guy, modern jazz quartet, Bob Dylan, Beatles from my dad's side. My mom only smoky. Oh, really? Only smoky. So, so, even though I don't think this. I know that many Smoky Robinson songs, but there was always a soundtrack of Smoky Robinson in our house.
1: So did she think he, she was handsome Did she think he was handsome? Oh, yeah, P- total okay. total okay. like
0: would have thrown her panties at every at, uh, okay. in every decade
1: okay. so that's that's also my family, right or parts <laughs> of my family because my 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 mom is the um she is the youngest of t- eleven. Mm-hmm. And so you know, some aunt aunties were younger and you know, yeah certain things. Others were older. So it ran the gamut. Yeah, I think your mom is
0: probably younger than my mom. But I've met some of your aunties, and uh, the majority of your aunties are actually closer to my mom's age, I think.
1: Yeah, yeah. So they all like Smokey, too. And I want to know, when your mom (laughs) sees Smokey Robinson today at an award show and his new face, (laughs) or whatever, does she still find him sexy?
0: Um... I think, I think so. I mean, I just, I'm I curious,
1: think, like, is that going to be us
0: with like Harry Styles in like 50 years? <laughs> well, cause I think for my mom, it's almost entirely about his, his voice and his music, mm-hmm. you know, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. that was a big, her big dream was like, I think for a long time, long time, Smokey Robinson was performing in Vegas. And my mom was always like, I need to get out to Vegas to see Smokey Robinson, you know? Ah, uh, um, Okay. <laughs> But yeah, anyway, so uh, yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm visiting Lionel Richie in my ears right now. And I, I feel like, you know, you're familiar with these songs. Yeah. I didn't, I'm so bad at this that I, some of these songs, I don't even, I know them, but I never was like, oh yeah, that's a Lionel Richie song. Like I'm listening to All Night Long. And of course you know this Uh song, but it was never like, oh yeah, this is a Lionel Richie song, but it totally is. It it just so so
1: I guess it just my point being that it like kind of gets at the ubiquity of Lionel Richie. It gets at the ubiquity of that particular sort of '80s sound, right? Yeah. And, um, you know, you mentioned uh, Carly Simon. It's not that I push back, like I mean, obviously, it's not that song, but at the same time, it is that same it is that same sense of like you hear a Carly Simon song, you're immediately transported to another time because they are specific to like 70s and 80s, right? Like ish. Like, you know, like what era you're in when you hear a Carly Simon song. Yeah. And um, so Lose to Win features this song or features, features this sample. And I just love it. I feel like this is the first time Fantasia's recordings really capture what it is that I think is special about her. 'Cause I I mean I've liked some of the some of the other, you know, her previous her previous three albums. I like certain tracks, but like I wouldn't say that those albums were like repeat always repeat listens or like were my go-tos. Um I've always liked Fantasia's, you know, uh live performances. I've liked her features um on different albums, but I haven't always liked um, you know, everything. And and yeah. this album, Side Effects of You, I think it really starts to capture, like I said, what makes her special. It, you know, like I said, it, it it kind of, you start to see the connection to Tina Turner, I think, um, mm-hmm. uh, much more strongly um, in the way that the songs are put together and the way that they're performed. I, I, it's it's interesting. I think you and I talked last week, Lose to Win, like I said, my favorite song on this album. Um, it was the debut single It only hit. I think it was the bubbling under Hot 100, so it's technically 102 Mm -hmm. uh, that it got to on the Billboard chart. And then even on the R&B side, I think the highest it peaked was 38. So even amongst like her hardcore fans, you know, it didn't it didn't really do well. And I I struggled with it. And I think you hit the nail on the head um, last week when we talked about this. This sort of predates. The sort of 80s nostalgia. Um Mm -hmm. like that, like now you listen to it and you're like, oh yeah, obviously this is great. Like, because we're we've been primed for a few years um with 80s references. And
0: because this was before that. When did Beyonce's four come out?
1: Um, I think it came out, I wanna say it came out around the same time. Hold on. It came out 2011. it 2011. actually came out two it came out two years earlier huh interesting okay but but you know what I don't feel like it has as much of an 80s
0: vibe I still feel like with beyonce it's more of a 70s vibe well okay I was I was thinking about beyonce four because I was thinking about love on top yeah but at the time okay so I mean beyonce is for possibly a flop in and of itself yeah. I mean, I I think at the time that it came out, it did not perform up to the standards that... Did it not? So I don't know. I don't think it did. Because I loved all of those songs. I loved all those albums. It it, took a while for me. For for the songs on... I think that the songs on 4 stand up as some of Beyonce's most balanced and best work in that it's kind of... Well, it's sonically, like, really interesting and really cool music. But it's also, like, not not necessarily, like, the expected move for her at the time. Uh-huh. And yeah. I think that's what turned people off at the time. Because, like... I mean, that album is very strange. It's very all over the place. It had Run the World. It had Love on Top. It had... um, What is that song? Countdown. Yeah. Uh, you know, it's funny. It's funny. I've never... <laughs>
1: Maybe this is just because I'm in my own bubble and uh, Barry, we know historically sometimes our tastes don't match. Mm-hmm. Um, that album is not hard for me to get into or to like, I liked that it was very different because it gave her different kinds of performance opportunities. Right. Because, you know, you, like you mentioned love on top um, end of time. Um, yeah. Is it run the world run the yeah. world is on that. Yeah. Yeah. I, I mean, it think- is, it is, it is kind of a mishmash now that you, mention it
0: i just remember at the time i remember at the time that the album came out it felt like there was a bunch of desperate grabs at a bunch of different things and none of them seemed cohesive and i don't think that that album did as well as sasha fierce which is the album that directly preceded it which is to say that beyonce still sold millions and millions of albums but i think that she had been ascending using a certain storyline for herself which was kind of disrupted by 4 and then I it feels like switches it switches in the Beyonce lemonade there's kind of like I feel like there's there's a before for beyonce and there's an after for beyonce yeah i can see
1: that i feel and, like i feel like her audience she targeted her audience differently it yeah. wasn't like be the pop Person for everything. It was like I'm gonna make a shift into a more targeted segment, like more directed at fans, and making I don't know about statements, but maybe maybe like really fully pivoting to like visual statements because I think this was the album where, well, I, Sasha Fierce had a had a video for almost everything, right? But um, because I remember there was like that um, Kitty Cat song and like uh, you know there was <laughs> I I feel like that had a lot of
0: videos too, maybe not I all of it- them. Not all of them. I mean, that's the thing, though, is that I like Sasha Fierce was such a successful album because it had so many of, like, I want to say, like, the big mainstream hits for Beyonce. It had Single Ladies, it had Halo, and If I Were a Boy, you know. Yeah. And then it had all the, and then it had, like, the song, the, like, the deeper cut songs that even, even those deeper cut songs, for some reason, I know, like, I know the song, like, diva sweet dreams video phone
1: because they were on at the gay club
0: Mm.
1: Mm. and video phone had gaga anyway anyway um,
0: so so the connection i'm making though is that like i i i I kind of recall that when beyonce did love on top i guess it was 2011 but maybe it was 2012 uh, sonically i feel like it's touching upon kind of the same areas that fantasia is touching upon with side effects of you like it's it's funny because you know you talk about eighties references kind of um, coming into vogue in recent years, but I still th- I, I think that this is still like the the vibes that Fantasia is touching upon with um, lose to win. It's like an untapped eighties vibe. I think everyone yeah. everyone goes for like the eighties Madonna eighties like. Like Whitney, like especially like a lot of people use like a lot of um like Whitney Houston '80s references, like Mm -hmm. like I want to dance with somebody type of pop Mm -hmm. vibes. Mm -hmm. I don't think a lot of people are tapping into what Fantasia is doing with Lose to Win.
1: Well, also if you compare it directly to Four, if you think about Love on Top and you think about some of the '80s references there, they're much more R and B soul '80s references than like like Lionel Richie was a bona fide like pop success in the 80s right like his music kind of it it was super mainstream in that way um did it slightly adult contemporary because
0: in my mind lionel richie was such an adult contemporary type of
1: i think that's just because that's the natural format that that, that's the radio stations it would get played on by the time we were listening to it yeah right like
0: Like, i I think in san francisco it was (laughs) k-o-i-t yeah over here it was like easy listening radio
1: It was Coast 106, or, yeah, Coast, Coast. Um, K-O-S-T with Delilah.
0: Um, Oh, Delilah must love Lionel Richie.
1: I think so. Well, she's like, that was Lionel Richie. We love him. Anyway. Get on down to brunch at whatever on the beach.
0: I miss Delilah (laughs) on the radio. How are her kids?
1: I don't know. She was okay, having anyway. troubles,
0: right? Anyway. Oh anyway. God, I don't know. She you know, had like six, right, or something like that. I mean, that she, and she was like she was like a big uh, adoption advocate, right? And yeah. It was like yeah. a big like adoption love story. Like she had like seven adopted kids, I think. But yeah, then like I think that. something ha- I think something was as as they were uh, growing Didn't... up, she was encountering the uh, the, the terrible teens. Maybe. My recollection. I, like was anyway.
1: some, I I I want to say there was some kind of tragedy. I have to. Okay. I have to look it up. Um, anyway, what I, what I was gonna say was, I, I feel like that also plays in with it, right? It was like the '80s pop versus '80s, not pop, but '80s adult contemporary pop versus '80s like R and B soul reference. Mm-hmm. You know that that between the two, and it was sort of like you said, kind of untapped. It it was a lesser tread sort of trip down nostalgia no, nostalgia lane whatever memory lane
0: yeah and um, i feel like you know to your point about this song and this album not performing well to mainstream r&b audiences it wasn't a thing at the time it wasn't no, something that you could make no, happen
1: no and i you know it didn't do anything which to me was crazy because i the for the moment i heard that song i was like this is amazing i love this song you know yeah um I love that song. So it, it it is the only one on the album that's sort of that eighties tinged. It mm-hmm. you know the lead single like it's not like the whole album is that. Um, because there's there's a few other songs on there. There's a few other tracks that I that I actually really enjoy. Um, there's the the one of the singles was called it's called "Without Me" and it featured Kelly Rowland and Missy Elliott. And I like the performance on that. It's a very where would you be without me. It's very of that time, but it's still fun to listen to now. Like they're they're all very good on that song. It's a sexy sort of what do you call it? Takedown song. Mm-hmm. Um there's Side Effects of You. The uh title track from the album is the kind of mid tempo ballad that, you know, I love. <laughs> uh mid tempo soul ballad that I love. Um, and then in deep, I we talked about um about songs that it's like the american idol type of uh pop ballad uh kind of thing pop mm-hmm. soul ballad uh in deep is one of those for me uh that i really like on this album yeah i just you know this 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 album i really enjoyed and lose to win i think deserves a better shot i think i think it deserves another shot in this moment where we appreciate more 80s references now. I think more people should give it a listen.
0: Yeah. And I think that the whole album, at least what I've been listening to as we've been talking, it exhibits, and I think you've made this point earlier, was that it exhibits a greater level of creativity and imagination than you would normally attribute to Fantasia Brino. Yeah. Yeah. It's, and, you know, I think yeah. when we talked about this the first time, um, I was saying like a lot of these songs feel like they could be Brandy songs to me. Mm. They have mm. something about them that, um, at least traditionally, I don't think of Brandy's music as, as hitting as hard as other R and B music. There's something, okay. th- there's something like a little bit more ethereal about Brandy's music. I think they, they maybe do that to, um, suit her voice more. Mm. And I, I see a little bit of similarity there with Fantasia. Okay. That yeah, I don't I can see that. The, in, in comparison to a lot of Fantasia's older output, that was more, um, it was produced to be a little bit more hard hitting, especially with like mm-hmm. the bass lines and stuff like that. Mm-hmm. Like in actuality, when I listen to Fantasia's, the, the quality of her voice, the kind of gravelly, but also like high pitched. Nasalish quality to her voice, Mm -hmm. you know, uh, something like what they're doing here on side effects of you actually suits her voice really well. Yeah,
1: yeah, it's like this album captures like the 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 best part of like what like what makes Fantasia a star. I think really this album manages to capture it audibly right like we've talked about that like with with some of our other artists where the artists that we've talked about where it's like they're phenomenal performers and they're amazing stars and singers but like it just falls flat on an album like they just can't capture that magic and i feel like yes the production the types of songs the um just the the way it's been engineered, it, it suits her so well. And I feel like, really, this is the stepping stone. This is sort of, you know, you talked about with Beyonce and 4, and there's like a pre-4 and after 4. Um, I feel like this is sort of before the side effects of you and after. Because, you know, after this album you know, she's, she's, she ends up releasing, um, her fifth album, The Definition Of, which was released in 2016. I saw, I ended up seeing, um, Fantasia in 2016. She, she and Anthony Hamilton were performing at LA Live. And, um, you know, being sort of a, a a fan, but not really following her. And then knowing that, like, I think for most of my friends, like I liked Fantasia, but not a lot of people I knew did. Mm -hmm. Um, I assumed that most people were there to see Anthony Hamilton because he's a much more, in some some respects, a, a bigger name. He's um, like the
0: guy, He, I mean, wh- he's like a guy that people frequently talk about, like, I'm going to an Anthony Hamilton concert. Yeah. Like, you don't yeah. necessarily he, hear he his, shows his name on the radio on or yeah. in pop culture or anything. But I think when you listen to people talk about, like, oh, I got tickets to this show. Yeah, yeah. It's, a, it's like Anthony Hamilton often comes up. Maybe yeah, it's just because so, of you, but I don't know.
1: <laughs> it's possible. It's possible. I I was that friend who had the Anthony Hamilton tickets. But um you know, he shows up as guest as a guest vocalist on a lot of songs, you know. So he's kind of he's kind of omnipresent in some ways. Mm-hmm. Um and we got there and I don't th- those concerts sometimes are like the most fun. If you if you've never had a chance to go to sort of a an R&B soul concert cuz it's a big difference from when you go to like, you go to one of those big pop concerts. It's just a different vibe because it's like, it's all like your aunties it's your cousins it's like it's like I would always run into my cousins um there like we didn't even know we'd like post pictures and be like wait are you here and we'd find out they were on the other side you know like the same family members that like had introduced me to Lionel Richie like we're going to see SWV and we're going to see Babyface and Tony Braxton and you know we'll we'll show up all at the Anita Baker concert you know and it's it's just like it is like a family reunion and like a house party. And it's just like, there's so much love in the audience for these stars. And not to say that that's not to say that that's different for pop stars or like, you know, if you go to Beyonce concert, obviously people love them and there's that energy, but it's, it's kind of on a different, it's a different vibe, right?
0: Like, do you feel like, okay, uh, do you feel like when you go to these types of concerts that you may be that you share something special in common with the other people there. And so it feels a little more connected. Cause I will say that like, you know, for me going to like, uh, like going to certain like smaller venue concerts or indie rock uh-huh. concerts, you feel a little bit different in the audience because you feel like you're all there. like Not yeah. for the same reason, but as opposed to like, you know, having gone to like bigger concerts, pop mm-hmm. concerts, Where, I mean, not to sound all snobby or hipsterish, but you feel like, oh, there's a lot of like fly-by-night fans here. Yeah, or like like teenagers. Yeah, and you don't necessarily feel like you're all having a shared experience. You're all having these different viewpoints on what you're seeing versus, I don't know, like what, what you're describing. It sounds more like everyone's there feeling like we all have the same shared appreciation for what's happening right now.
1: I would say it's very close to being at like a family reunion or church, mm. like having grown up in the church, like it, there's a sense of community. There's a sense of like, to your point, shared experience. Um, there's a sense of love and per, like, I think it's, it's, it's kind of like, because you feel like there's a stronger connection because like, for example, seeing SWV seeing Babyface, even, they were huge huge stars right mm-hmm. and and swv we've talked about but they don't, no one's talking about them in the current sense it's, it's as if you know like yeah all of their hits happened 20 years ago 30 years ago and pop culture has kind of moved on but you go back to this space and you you're here with people for whom this was the soundtrack of their lives and and these artists come out and they sound as fucking incredible as they did when they were in their heyday mm-hmm. and you feel like you're able to give them the shine and give them the respect that they deserve when like the larger portion of culture the culture has sort of moved on and just assumed yeah. they're they're irrelevant and i think that contributes to it right it's not you're not just seeing the hottest performer at the height of their yeah. career when everyone else likes them. It's like, no, we're still, we love you. We want to support you. You still make us feel the way that we did and you still bring it. That's how we felt when we saw SWV. Um, and one of these same, it's, it was at the same sort of uh, at LA live. Like uh, they opened SWV went first and then Babyface came out and did like a 45 minute medley of every almost every single song that he'd written for other people and it was just like a trip from the 80s to the 90s to the early 2000s you know and it put everyone in such a good mood that like if you can believe it by the time Tony Braxton comes on who's was the headliner you're like okay like <laughs>
0: Did he do I mean, like um, You Mean the World to Me? Was that the yes. song he wrote for Tony Braxton? Okay.
1: Yes. Yes. Um did that. He did like the songs for Boys to Men. He did, you know,
0: like the Madonna songs. Um You Mean the World to Me and Um What was the song he wrote? For, well, oh, take, take a bow. Those are like the same song. Uh-huh. Yeah. Take a bow and but you mean like, the world yeah. to me. Listen to the I the the intro well, to slow, You Mean the Well, I, I don't know what it is. The intro. Da,
1: da, 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 da. It's that electric piano.
0: But it's the intro to You Mean the World to Me comes on. And almost always, if that song comes on, I'm like, oh, it's, it's, it's uh, Take a Bow. And then I'm like, oh, wait, no, this is Tony <laughs> Braxton. Never mind. Never mind. Um, but yeah, I mean, it's no, interesting because, like, yeah. you know, the way you talk about it. And I think you've talked about Wango Tango before. It almost oh, yeah. sounds like, I mean, because to, to me, I've never seen the appeal of something like a Wango Tango because it seems like the antithesis of that. Uh, yeah. It seems like you will be in an arena with a bunch of people. Maybe you like the Backstreet Boys, but that person over there likes, you know, so, you know, yeah. Link 182, and that guy over there yeah. is here for, you know, Lincoln yeah, it's Park, like, it's like... and it's like, what do you guys all share together, and what's everyone else doing when your favorite band, quote-unquote, is not... Yeah, they don't care
1: (laughs) yeah yeah it it is funny because having been to wango tango because you know i got tickets through work at one point and um uh, it can be fun it depends on the lineup um and obviously if you can get really good seats or something (laughs) it is an opportunity to see some people that like you'd probably just never see like i never would have gone to a sean mendes concert but like he was part of it ariana grande was part of it um the Backstreet Boys, funnily enough, were there. Miguel was there. And, you know, yeah, there are some where I'd wish that they had done more songs. But, like, that was all I needed for some of them, right? And it, But they can still put on pretty good performances, and it is fun. But it is different, right? Like, to your point, you're not having that shared sort of collective experience, like a family who's like, we're all there to just support the people, right yeah. like that's why we bought tickets and so you know when we went to the anthony hamilton and fantasia concert anthony hamilton did the first part and i mean he was fantastic um but you know i'd be talking to some of the people around us because it is just cool because you know you just people that you don't know you're just like isn't that so good or like da, 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 da. i don't know it's just like family and um i asked the lady next to me i was like oh so like you know are you here like who who are you here for essentially and she's like oh my girl fantasia i've been you know i don't even know who anthony hamilton is i was like what (laughs) like there were so many people who were like yeah we don't i mean yeah i mean he's cool like you know what i mean like he's great but like fantasia is really who we're here for and i was really kind of surprised i mean which is funny because it's like it's her concert so obviously it's going to be fans but um and she put on a phenomenal show as she does like you know you can youtube her and it's just like all of these she just brings so much electricity and 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 i've really just loved seeing her kind of take that rock soul make it hers um and really just kind of move forward from this album from the from like 2016 with sort of a singular artistic vision and focus you know and to Mm -hmm. to just kind of follow that brief with the albums um she she released Christmas After Midnight in 2017 her Christmas album. I know you're not a Christmas music fan. Um this album is very much is much more in the line of like a Sharon Jones and the Dap-Kings kind of Christmas mm-hmm. album in my opinion. I mean it it has some some more standard ones. It is it is a little more
0: soulful maybe. That classic um, Santa Claus goes straight to the ghetto. Yeah, uh, Santa Claus <laughs> go straight I, yeah, go. yeah. Christmas album is so not good. my
1: thing. Um, that album is good. That okay. album is good. I just
0: have certain Christmas songs that I like. Is the weird part yeah. like and I'll, and I'll always. What's the Jackson Five Christmas songs?
1: Uh, Mo- I saw "Mommy kiss Santa." No, Claus. no, 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 no. "Someday
0: at Christmas." Song.
1: Oh yeah, I like that song. Wasn't well, that Stevie
0: Wonder? Oh, I mean, yeah, yeah, yeah. It's been covered a bunch of times, but I think the Jackson Five covered it. Did the Jackson Five cover it off of? Stevie i don't know
1: i just know that they both have done it so i don't know where it came from but um you know because it's just motown and christmas so could have been all of them yeah who did a cover of it oh yeah did you like it um one day we should talk about Andrew day or maybe for 10 minutes at one point
0: i mean she's back in the news right she's a well she's the golden Globe winning actress yeah um bested viola
1: davis I, I, you know, yeah, I was watching. What was I watching? Um, it might have been like the demo, the, it might have been the inauguration and, or it was some commercial and
0: it might it was be the inauguration or some commercial. Okay. <laughs> no, got no, it. No,
1: okay. Well, because cause if you think about Andre Day, she's had one job for the last, I don't know, decade. Um, and that was to sing that song. Um, now I can't even remember the name of the song. Rise you know what up. Song I'm talking about? Rise up. Okay. Pop up any award show. Pop up at a funeral. Pop up wherever. Like, like she just always said that. I think it's an Indeed commercial, and it was for like jobs, and some man was singing it, and I was like, this man put Andrew Day out of a job. This is her one job, and someone came in and is doing her her song. I was like, what is she doing? And then, little did I know, she was in Billy Holly. She played Billy Holiday, won a Golden Globe, so she's ready to move on. Um. Anyway, <laughs> where how did we get here? Um, we got here because oh, Fantasia, know, had, a were, Fantasia, Fantasia had a Christmas album.
0: Good for her
1: Christmas album, and then you know her her most recent album, Sketchbook, was released in 2019, and the single from that, Enough, is another really great song. I was actually gonna do that song, but then I was like, I don't know that that's a flop. Also, Liz win really needs some shine. So yeah, uh, I really wanted to just talk about that, but like her her music, her output. Everything. It's just been really great. Um, she's still very active. I mean, she's got a huge, you know, R&B and soul audience. Um, but I, you know, end of the day, I just really want Fantasia to have more shine, more respect. And uh, yeah, just really,
0: I'm excited to see what she does next. Kudos, Fantasia. You made it. You made it. <laughs> no, I mean, it's it, you know, to to your point about her headlining these concerts um, and people, hardcore fans going to buy tickets to her shows, you know, I don't think that for me, she ever graduated beyond, Oh, like American Idol winner, Fantasia Barrino. She's this new kid on the block in this big genre. But like at this point, she is like a veteran, right? So there are people that have been listening to her music now for like 15 16 years.
1: Yeah, I mean she won 17 years ago. Yeah. Like it's a I mean there are whole fully kids are uh, who who were born when she won are about to vote in the next elect, the
0: midterms. Yeah. For or the if first you time, were I like, mean if you were a teenager watching her on American Idol you're you're like in your 30s now. Yeah, you probably have children. This is like your old school R&B. Oh man. <laughs> that the, I don't know if you saw my face. Like it's wow. That R and B classic, I believe. <laughs> <laughs> right, because it's like I mean, <laughs> <laughs> oh
1: my god! Anyway. No. Uh, so I did go back and listen to um, you know, since we had last had this conversation, I did go back and listen to the Happy Feet soundtrack. Oh, <laughs> so good, so good, so good. Um, we'll post all of these songs for you, listeners. Um, Jason, we did it. That's, that's what I wanted to do. I know we did did it. it, We did it. And, um, we did. Do I have to give (laughs) (laughs) Sometimes, sometimes, sometimes Barry, you have to lose to win.
0: Okay. the name of the song. I know. No, I, I was, for the first time when you said that to me, I started actually thinking about what that means. And I'll I'll consider that. <laughs> but sometimes Jason, you could just win to win.
1: That's true if you're Beyoncé.
0: <laughs> anyway. Although no, she's she's kind of losing to win. <laughs> I guess yeah. In a way in a in, in a, a sense. In, in a sense. Yes, 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 yes. Okay. Anyway, Jason, I would like to give special thanks today. Thank you. I would like to give special thanks that you were available to re-record this last part of this episode. What but, am I
1: doing on Easter?
0: Yeah. What are any of us doing on Easter? No, that's not true. We're, well.
1: <laughs> I am very devout in that I am super convicted to, on holidays, making some kind of meat roast.
0: Okay. Do Okay. So, I was going to give special thanks, but I'm going to divert back to Easter.
1: <laughs> okay.
0: When I was a kid, um, for no discernible reason, I went to a Lutheran, nope, Methodist church. Very different, is it?
1: Methodist, yeah.
0: I, don't, see, I feel I, like so
1: Lutherans, Lutherans, Martin Luther, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. So they're the ones who like started the whole Protestant Reformation, right? Methodists, I think. I mean, some are strict, and then there's some other Methodists that are not as strict. So okay. Um, I, always think, I always just think I always just think
0: that there's like Catholics, right? And then there's like evangelical, and then there's kind of like the sometimes. The wishy, the wishy washy Protestant. <laughs> okay, yeah. And so, I, I, I guess that's Methodist, though, right? Is Methodist like kind Church of, the... of Christ people
1: that like that like any anyone that you think of is like sort of a liberal or progressive Christian. Most Protestant Christians are like they're not real. Okay. In my experience, I mean, w- uh,
0: having gone to a Methodist church as a child, it's fully not real. <laughs> it's. Or, or here's my recollection. I think that uh, church when I was a kid was so poorly explained to me. Ah, uh. I was going, I didn't know what was happening. I was attending Sunday school. There were these worksheets. I felt like we were already, by the time I started, maybe we were on like too far into the Bible
1: for you me to understand what was
0: happening because I was, there was like, I remember there being fill in the blank worksheets where you had to answer questions about like something uh-huh. that was happening, but I, I, There was no accompanying text for me to refer to. It was something that I was supposed to have already known somehow. And I was like, how am I supposed to know what goes into these blanks? Sunday school is so stressful.
1: Well, they need certification for Sunday school teachers. Okay. Yeah. Unified curriculum.
0: But I remember going to church on Easter on Sunday morning. Yes. Okay.
1: Well, it's like a sunrise service because like Jesus was like risen at dawn. Oh, okay. Like, over well, in the middle. He you know,
0: disappeared in the middle of the night because Davy goes. He went to vigil last night.
1: Yeah, because you're waiting for him. You know. Okay, it's a, it's a thing.
0: It was so late. It, he he got back yeah. at like ten thirty.
1: Yeah, because like, at at some point, by the time the morning comes, when Mary and them go to like visit the tomb to lay flowers, like. At some point after the vigil, the stone has been rolled away and Jesus is gone. He's risen, and they thought they took his body. Okay, so that's why. So when he went back today to church this morning,
0: no, he didn't. He he went to go to, he went to go oh. drop off a key to his mom's house. <laughs>
1: well, it's the same thing.
0: <laughs> <laughs> no, that's that's why I was like I was thinking about it. I was like, <coughs> when he went to when he went to mass last night, I was like, goodness, like is that. I was like, "That's just a Catholic thing, right?" Because we, yeah, Method- mo- we, we Methodists.
1: <laughs> yeah, yeah, <laughs> we Methodists.
0: <laughs> Woke up at the very reasonable hour of like nine a.m. I think.
1: Oh no, at our evangelical. It was a sunrise service. Oh, oh, ours so, was not. So it was outside, in the parking lot, or in the field,
0: or everywhere. Ours, we ours was very, very reasonably hour, reasonably timed. Um, I only remember, um, and and this is, again, how poorly explained Christianity was to me as a child. I just remember having, they gave us flowers. So I had like a freaking like Gerber (laughs) daisy or a carnation. There was a big metal, like a chicken wire cross at the front. And one by one, we all went up to it and we put like a carnation in the chicken wire cross until the whole cross was like like a rose rose parade
1: float oh oh you like stuck? I was wondering why it was chicken wire I was like yeah it was
0: it was an armature to hold the flowers that we were all given (laughs) I was like Um, like, increase the budget Methodists yeah (laughs) but also increase the uh, understanding about what what it's actually about because I I feel like I was an adult before I understood what Easter was about
1: your church failed you Barry
0: yeah they failed us but you know but you know you know who didn't fail us Fantasia Fantasia and Adam oh, Elder, oh. who yes. composed our theme music. <laughs> I'm cutting us off, Jason. We're, we, yeah, we're, yeah, yeah. We, we we filled in the time. Uh, Adam Elder, thanks for composing our theme music. Songs and videos featured in today's episode will be posted to our website, flopperdeemer.com. Remember to rate, review, and subscribe to us on your podcast platform of choice. Check us out on social media at Flopperdeemer on Instagram and Twitter and at facebook.com slash flopredeemer. As always, as always, email us at flopredeemer at gmail.com.